couple few weeks past October, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you to uh, all of you for your kindness to me. October, Pastor Appreciation Month, I felt the love. That's not why I left and went to Lake Tahoe. That was an entirely a different reason altogether, which was beautiful, spectacular. Still there, still blue. Speaking of water, here's one thing that I learned. Lake Tahoe is so deep that if you took the water up out of Lake Tahoe, you could spread it across the entire state of California and be 14 inches deep in water. That's how much water's in Lake Tahoe. Amazing. Right on. So let's do something, uh, you and I. Let's, uh, let's build a house. Anybody here can swing a hammer? Yeah? So <clears throat> we're going to build a house. We're going to need a hammer, right? If I had a hammer. Hammer in the morning. And, and we're going to need some nails. Like a lot of nails, like 16 penny nails. And we're going to need, we're going to need some lumber. Like a lot of lumber. How big is our house going to be? One story, two or three? None of the above. Is there going to be a split level? It's going to be a basement. Is there going to be a basement? No, it's only going to be a basement. Only a basement. You're into alternative housing. There's just going to be a roof lying on the ground. So we're going to have to go down to Home Depot, right? And load up on stuff, hammer, nails, and that's pretty simple, right? Just knock it out, do a little barn raising like the Amish. But if we're going to do something, if we're going to build something, you got to have a plan, man. You got a blueprint, you got to know what you're after. We're going to need to start with the architect. Draw it out. Envision it. Know what you're doing. But you don't just get a pile of lumber, hammer and nails, and start building something. You're going to come up with a monstrosity, right? There's got to be a plan. And the same thing is true in the Christian life. You and I have to begin with the end in mind. Okay? If you've been around for any length of time, you've heard me quote Eugene Peterson. It talks about discipleship as being a long obedience in the same direction. Day after day after day, one day at a time, stringing it together, following Jesus. But knowing where we're going, not just throwing it together as we go. This is a lesson the disciples had to learn, and it's in our text this morning. If you have a Bible, I invite you to join with me in Luke chapter 21. You can pull it up on your uh, phone or your iPad after you check in at uh, First Baptist Alameda. Tell the world you were here. And it's a beautiful place to be on a Sunday morning. It's kind of a curious episode here in Luke 21 with the, with the disciples. This is nearing the end of the gospel narrative. 
Jesus and the fellas are on their way to Jerusalem. And it says in verse 5 that uh, when some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God temple, the, the Jewish temple was spectacular in Jerusalem. He said, verse 6, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. And to give you a bit of perspective about the ancient temple in Jerusalem, those stones were, were bigger than cars. They were ginormous slabs of limestone piled one upon another to make this spectacular edifice. It was a it was a building that began with the end in mind. But Jesus gives this ominous warning that the day will come when this temple will be destroyed, will be thrown down, not one stone left upon another. The temple represented for the Jewish people the heart of their faith and practice. It was all about the temple. Making an appearance, bringing your offering, showing up. You think we're sentimental about the church? That's nothing. The temple had stood. It represented the presence of God. Jesus said it's, it's going to be destroyed. And you know what? It wasn't that much longer that it happened. In fact, by the time Luke wrote his gospel, it had already happened. This was a reflection on the destruction of the temple by the Romans in A.D. 70, Jesus predicted that it would happen, and it did. But beforehand, the disciples didn't quite understand the prediction. They said to him, Teacher, verse 7, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? In other words, give us the inside track. We'd like to, if something bad's going to happen, fill us in, right? It's like us and our earthquake detectors, those apps for your phone, right? We want to know when something's about to happen so that we can uh, prepare accordingly, right? So we can control the situation. That's what the disciples were all about. And he said, Beware, verse 8, that you're not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. Don't believe everything that you hear. We need to be wise and discerning and filter all information through the rubric of our faith and practice of the Scripture. When you hear verse 9 of wars and insurrections, what does it say in the old versions? Wars and rumors of wars. Do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and plagues. There will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before this occurs, verse 12, they will arrest you, persecute you, hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. Wow, Jesus, you thought Henry brought bad news. 
things are going to get worse before they get better. That's what Jesus is saying. And that's what played out in the lives of the disciples. Somebody was just talking about this recently. How 11 of the 12 disciples were martyred. Only John lived, right? Didn't go well for them. This whole thing played out. It's going to get worse before it gets better, which means that you need to have stamina. You need to have endurance so that you can stand the test of time. You need to be the kind of people who have a character that can endure through the most difficult times. It's gravitas. That's a $10,000 word. Look that up, gravitas. It means like a ship that you see out in the bay. And you see what's above, but beneath is this ballast, right? This counterweight that keeps it right, that keeps it from tipping one way or the other. You have to have enough weight below the surface to carry you through the storms, through the sea, through the surf, through the adversity, whatever you're experiencing. This is what Jesus is doing. He's trying to prep the boys. He's trying to fill them in, guys. Things are going to get tough. It's about to hit the fan, right? So you need to have a certain type of character that's going to carry you through this adversity. And what they want to know is when it's going to happen, what are going to be the signs, and how long have we talked about signs, and preacher and prophet have stood and declared, the end is near, the end is near, look at this, look at that, this sign, the other, earthquakes, famines, wars, 2,000 years of it. Jesus is talking about their immediate future. Look, guys, the Romans are going to close in, and it's not going to be good for you. And what he's doing in the process is giving us a blueprint for our lives and for developing character and gravitas that's going to carry us through, because what we have here is a general principle. Things are going to get worse before they get better. You might know it as Murphy's Law, right? If something can go wrong, it will. Think about your, your life on the job. How many days do you have that everything just goes swimmingly well in your direction? Right? How many days do you have that you're not frustrated about something or other or someone that you encounter in the course of your day? It happens, right? This is life. This is why we need to be a certain kind of people. This is why we need to be disciples that have that counterweight beneath the surface that can carry us through the storms. And I'm not just talking about the frustrations and the foibles and the things that we experience along the way, the minor irritations. I'm talking about tragedy, travesty, heartbreak. And when those things happen, how many believers have been shipwrecked? And I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not offering you a formula. 
But I'm saying that you have within you what it takes to get through the most difficult, what St. John of the Cross talked about as the dark night of the soul. That time in your life when the walls are closing in. When your temple is being dismembered and thrown down. Things are going to get worse before they get better. And I believe, this is Luke, Luke 21, it, yeah, primarily applies to the near future that the disciples would experience. But as the text opens up from there, and we're not going to go all the way into the middle and end of Luke chapter 21, Jesus talks big picture, beginning with the end in mind. And the destruction of Jerusalem, yes, but the coming of the Son of Man. And there's different ways that people have of looking at the end times, and it's going to unfold like this, and it's going to unfold like that. And why can't we just embrace what Jesus said? Y'all don't know how it's going to go down. But let's take this principle that he offers to us, that things might get worse for us before they get better. As we live and operate within an exceedingly anti-Christian environment, it might be more difficult for us. As the water crisis closes in, as the pollution of the earth continues, overcrowding, overpopulation, economic upheaval, administrations gone amiss, whatever it is that we experience in our lifetime, things might be going in the opposite direction of what we'd hoped for. That's not a, that's not a cause for despair. That's not a reason for us to throw up our hands, to give up, to throw in the towel, to try something else because Christianity didn't work. It's a time for us to build character, to develop gravitas, to be the kind of people that have staying power that can last through periods of adversity. Jesus said they're going to drag you in front of magistrates. Don't worry about what to say. Don't prepare your speech ahead of time. I'll give you the words. Hey, it's going to be bad. Verse 16, you'll be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends. And, and they'll put some of you to death. You will be hated because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. What? He just said, some of you are going to die, but not a hair of your head will perish. How's that? Because 
by your endurance, verse 19, you will gain your soul. I want you to memorize that line. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Other versions say, he who perseveres to the end will be saved. I don't like that one bit. I love this. By your endurance, you will gain your soul. That is the catchphrase of people whose lives have stamina. You will gain your soul. Like Jesus said, whoever wants to gain his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, for the kingdom will gain it. It's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of keeping the end in mind. It's a matter of, of recognizing that, that failure or success don't depend on this day or this situation or this series of events or this crisis or that administration. These are small, little, tiny stones one upon another that may all be thrown down. The thing that matters is the big picture. We've read the end of the book, God wins, and, and, and His kingdom comes, and we experience it on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is coming back. This is beautiful. This is brilliant. This is great. I'd give you all the details if I knew them. I don't. Hold tight. Weather the storm. Develop the kind of character that can endure, because by your endurance, you gain your soul. Father, we just want to thank you for your word to us and its power. Thank you, Jesus, that you're interested in building here in Alameda people of character. and conviction, people of strength and integrity, people of flexibility, God, whose lives are elastic enough to weather the storms. Build us, God, into the type of fellowship that can support one another through adversity, through tragedy, through failure, God, when we fall, when we make a mess of our lives, to pick one another up, to encourage one another, to love without restriction, to forgive. Now that's supernatural stuff. It's only going to happen as you work in our lives. So we commit ourselves to you and to this task, to the building, not of a house, God, but of a life, a life that endures, a life that creates a legacy. God, we thank you that it's possible in Christ our Savior. Amen. So don't hide.